0: Computers are live. Mixers up. Levels are good. Equalizers good. Ready channels one and two. Mike is live in three, two, one, roll it. Welcome listeners to the My Practice My Business podcast. Where we teach dentists and their teams how to reclaim forgotten profitability in dentistry with our Clinical Business of Dentistry training. And now, the host of our show, the clinical director at My Practice, My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup. It was February 2016, and I was finally getting around to looking at my last quarter results in my dental practice. Better late than never. Does that sound familiar? I was shocked to see our profits were down. How could this be? The number of patients seen and procedures worked were both up, but profits were down for the first time in years. Or were they? Maybe it was just me finally noticing that they'd been going down for years and I had just taken notice. They were going down so slowly that I actually hadn't seen them go down until now. It was time to dig a little deeper and learn why. Well, let me tell you what we discovered. We discovered things that we have changed or things that had changed incrementally over the last several years. The first thing was several of the major insurance players have been decreasing reimbursements on our primary procedures by a few dollars each year. Two, our lab fees have been going up over the last few years. Three, our supply bill has increased over the last three years. Four, other small increases have occurred with several of our vendors over the last two to three years. Wow. How did I, Dr. Rob, who teaches other dentists and their teams, the clinical business of dentistry, lose track of my own practice? What I discovered was our upgrade charges were now too low. Simple fix, right? I can just increase them, no big deal. How ironic was it for me to see how small changes can not only lead to significant increases in practice revenue, but they can also lead to significant losses when the above four points are not closely monitored. Now, I don't want to talk about the race to the bottom and how we sit there and beat up labs and supply companies over small amounts because we all know that increasing our revenue through value-added service and upgrading is way more profitable than worrying about those things, but we need to keep an eye on those things. If you take PPO plans in your practice, you need to run a simple business protocol. Every practice has their top 20. The top 20 procedures you commonly do on a monthly basis, like crowns, root canals, fillings, place them on a spreadsheet or simply write them down on a piece of paper with their associated CDT codes in one column. Next, Next to those CDT codes, write down the related fee-for-service pricing. And next, pick three to five of your favorite PPO plans. (laughs) Place them at the top of each new column. And then write down the fees you are contracted with on each one of the top 20 procedures you perform. It's like a spreadsheet. Just looking at your CDT codes and the descriptions and and what your fee-for-service fees are on each of those codes. Then you're going to just take and write down the fees that you're reimbursed on with three to five of your favorite insurance companies. Now for the scary part. Divide that contracted fee into your fee-for-service fee and see what percent that is. Or more importantly, look at the reciprocal. See what percentage you are writing off. If your overhead is around 65 to 70%, you're writing off 40% or more. Is there a problem with that? I think there is. I was reading reading an article in one of our dental publications that was written by a dentist, whom I shall leave nameless. The article was on managed care in our dental practices. One of the topics was on the purpose of managed care. The author spoke on PPO plans and how they strive to achieve cost reduction in their systems. Sound familiar? He went on to say how PPO plans offer, quote, Innovative economic incentives to their patients and providers to encourage them to select less costly forms of care. End quote. I don't know about you, but I would rather not choose the least cost alternative when it comes to my care. That's like being in the aviation industry and choosing the least expensive part that needs to be replaced in that aircraft that's got you at uh, flight level 320 screaming at 500 miles an hour headed towards uh, wherever. (laughs) That flies in the face of what the average middle market consumer typically chooses when it comes to things that are emotionally important to them, such as their oral health care. He termed this, quote, utilization management, unquote, and how, quote, there is a need to engage in effective utilization management in order to prevent unnecessary treatment, end quote. And, one more quote here, quote, how this is good for the healthcare professions, end quote. <laughs> You're probably dying right now, just like me. And then he t- topped it off with the need to create a reimbursement system that is tied to outcomes. Let me define what the term outcomes means or what he meant them to be. Outcomes are those dental needs that are at the very basic form and how they can be delivered at the least amount of expense. It's a business system that would absolutely take us back to silver fillings, crooked teeth, and controlled choice for the consumer. Yep, you think I'm kidding, don't you? I'm not. This is what insurance companies really want and this is what socialized medicine strives for. And this is what the author was advocating as not a bad idea. That's unfortunate. Free market systems work best. We all know that. Let's think about this for a minute. Uh, before I go into that, I mean, the free market systems in medical, we always hear how wonderful Canadian, the Canadian medical system is. And I have family from Canada. But why is it that they're lined up to receive many types of procedures, and many of them come to the U.S. to receive care. That's just a fact. I'm not uh, trying to create an argument here. It's just an interesting perspective to look at. So let's think about this for a minute and see if we have any examples of it in the medical field. If you go in for a joint replacement at any of the major hospitals, like here in the western U.S., you get billed by that hospital entity, the orthopedic surgeon has no options to give you on what type of prosthetic joint you're going to receive. That prosthetic is provided by the hospital they are contracted with. So when they go into the surgery room, that joint is already just sitting there waiting to be placed in your knee, shoulder, hip, wherever. You know, the prosthetic that some MBA employee, hospital administrator, purchased from some prosthetic company who offered the least expensive product. So, the next time you hear of someone's prosthetic hip fracturing or not integrating properly, just remember, it was the least expensive part so that they could increase their corporate profits. As for me, I would have paid a few hundred dollars extra to place the best prosthetic in my shoulder or hip or knee. Can you imagine what would happen if we could not choose what types of crowns, implants, or composite filling material that we wanted to use or want the patient to have? Shouldn't it be our choice as healthcare providers? Or how about the patient's choice? Isn't it misleading when choice is available and we don't give it to our patients? That's what's taught in every MBA program out there, especially if they are willing, the consumer patient is willing to pay me directly an upgrade fee for the more expensive product. The entire article had at its core a health maintenance organization model to it. We drove HMOs out of dentistry years ago, pretty much. They're still trying to hang in there. They, they just weren't profitable for us to take. HMOs, or health maintenance organizations, were also tied into capitation programs where the dentist was given a certain amount of money each month per patient that they took on the HMO cap program. And if the patient exceeded their monthly disbursements due to needed oral health care, then their dental work was literally at the expense of the doctor. That's right, you and me. When I read articles like this one, it's when I read articles like these, it scares me because I'm a believer in free markets, not government or insurance controlled. PPO plans already have a form of control, minus the ability to offer value-added services. On each of our practices with limited reimbursement rates and annual maximums, that's what they impose on us, right? So dental insurance truly is an insurance like in the medical field because of those maximum allowables and percent of coverages? In addition, this article attempted to explain how quality can increase while costs decrease via a control mechanism we all have to live by in our practices or what they wanted to impose. It's so important for us to let our state and national associations know that this type of thinking is not in our best interests let alone the patients we serve. We are fooling ourselves if we believe we can offer technological advancements in dentistry to our patients at controlled fee structures. The business equation simply does not add up. So, my friends, steer clear. So, what did I do about this financial pitfall that had snuck in without being noticed? I did exactly what I preached to all of our awesome clients at My Practice My Business i found ways to increase revenue through upgrades and value-added services. Thanks to our good friends at Brassler, I learned of a new value-added service in Root Canal Therapy and added it to our offerings to our patients. For the first time in years, all of my upgrade fees have been upgraded because of the loss that I was seeing. And so far, we have nearly 100% case acceptance on our value-added services. Which, by the way, (laughs) I would be in trouble. Often we are told to simply raise our fees, uh, our fee-for-service fees, to increase revenue. But let me go back to why I would be in trouble with nearly 100% case acceptance. Because if I was in an MBA program, my instructor would give me an F. You don't want to have 100% of your patients accepting uh, your upgraded materials. Because if you do, your prices are too low. So... That's something that I'm working on to see where that tipping point is. However, there's also that altruistic uh, wanting to do good for my patients, too. So there's that balance. That I, I'm like, well, okay, I'm happy with, with this fee, with the upgrade fee. I'm happy with the PPO fee, with the upgrade fee, based on my direct operating costs. And that's how we should be setting our fees is by looking at what our direct operating costs per hour are then we don't have a problem. So, often we're told to simply raise our fee-for-service fees to increase revenue, but that would work if we were not 85% insurance-driven in our practice. <clears throat> I realize there are many practices who are not as insurance-driven or are completely fee-for-service, but that is simply not the case in many areas of the country. Now, moreover, current research is showing the number one reason patients choose a dental healthcare professional is if they are you guessed it in network with their insurance plan, I was talking to the orthodontist that I referred to uh, just today, and he practices here in Utah, but he also has a satellite practice out in Wyoming, and he told me that they don 't have insurance plans that these that the consumers out there, the population are taking. Most of the dentists don't even take PPO plans. I was blown away when he told me that. And he said, Rob, it's so nice to be able to charge our fee-for-service fee. He actually makes more going to Wyoming like one day a week than he makes uh, working in Utah three days a week. That's an interesting problem, and that's something that we all ought to look at when we decide where we want to practice dentistry at. But we also need to look at it when we're trying to determine if we're profitable or not. Uh, insurance plans, they will continue to increase. Even though in Wyoming, they don't have that many PPO plans, you watch. I was actually, uh, our company was at the Wyoming Dental Association show a few years ago, and I was talking with some of the providers, some of my colleagues up there, and they said, you know, like Delta's up there. And there's one other insurance company I remember them saying, but a lot of the guys are pushing back and not taking the plans or they're not accepting the fee rates that they're giving them because they are so low. And when you're in a small community like that, you certainly do have the ability to push these programs out of there just by, you know, you're not supposed to gather together and, and, you know, say we're not taking the plans because then antitrust laws can be... Uh, thrown at you, and you can get in a lot of trouble for that, according to legal experts i 've spoken with but at what point in time do we say enough is enough, and that 's where our company at least we 've uh, been instructed and taught by insurance companies by their their management teams how to offer choice, how to offer our patients uh, value-added service and be able to charge for those, and that helps increase our profitability. Actually, placing the more expensive product in a patient's mouth, if they choose to have a more expensive product placed, that's our ability to increase revenue through upgrades, just like every other business does. Insurance plans will continue to increase. Our patients will continue to join dental plans, whether through their employer group or on their own. And hopefully, that will drive us to get better at figuring out ways to increase profits so we're not giving away our services. And in My Practice, My Business, we have many of the answers to help offset the losses incurred by taking insurance plans and having the ability to help you be more profitable on your non-insured patients. You ought to just give us a call for details. We're happy to teach and train and And we oftentimes give introductory courses that at least give you the idea. Many have said, oh, my gosh, it's illegal. You can't do this. Well, my goodness, people, when I personally have recorded conversations with insurance companies, even video conversations with them, and they're the ones teaching us how to do this, uh, I don't think it's illegal. And offering value-added service, remember, insurance companies cannot come between the doctor-patient relationship. And when you buy expensive technology, you're not the one that's supposed to be paying for it. That should be passed on to the patient in one form or another. Most importantly, keep an eye on your numbers. Watch your top 30 procedures and track insurance reimbursements from year to year. I didn't say ear to ear. I said year to year. (laughs) But you need to be using that uh, tool between your ears, your brain, and make sure you're tracking and looking at your numbers on a constant basis. If they decrease their reimbursement fees on your top procedures, you have to recapture it somewhere else. Use My Dental Docs and My Dental Staffs to help educate your patients and to watch your numbers and increase case acceptance, to track your business success, promote oral health care, and prevent lost revenue. Those are the things which we teach and train on here at My Practice My Business. And watching those numbers and being able to do something about them when they get to the point where you're doing procedures in the red and you're not profitable on them, that's what you have to keep an eye on. And that's why you have to make those changes. Insurance companies, which a lot of you don't know, like the major players, they actually have multiple fee schedules. And every two years, you need to write and ask to be Raised or given a new fee schedule to increase your revenue. Oftentimes, we've seen these pay raises only increase by a few dollars in most procedures. Like a crown might go up 20 bucks, 30 bucks, but that's 20 to 30 dollars more than you were receiving before. I challenge all of you get out there, study the CDT codebook, read what those codes mean. Don't believe everything that you hear. Well, for me, challenge it. But don't believe the things you hear from a lot of the consultants out there. And don't believe a lot of the things that maybe your office manager might have been told. A lot of falsehoods are presented out there. Simply look for the truth. Call the insurance companies. Ask them. I don't want to increase the D2740 code, but I definitely need to make more money on this crown. I want to use a better crown that maybe is a hundred dollars more or fifty dollars more than your typical crown you use ask him can I charge the patient an additional fee like whatever the mark will bear for this more expensive crown i'm I'm not charging you the insurance company the patient is responsible for that additional charge can I do that can I increase the the uh, can I can I increase maybe a code that I create or that represents that or Can I just use a 2999 code? Have that conversation with the insurance companies and see what the answer is. That's my challenge to all of you. You have to ask the right questions, though. Keep asking the right questions. They term it a cosmetic upgrade, and they also term it a value added service. I was talking to our general manager, Tracy, just the other day, and she was with one of our office managers down in uh, Utah County. And they actually made that phone call to the to one of the major insurance players that they took, and that office manager's job out dropped on the ground when she heard the, the person on the other line from the insurance company say, of course you can charge an additional fee where there's a differential in cost of goods or differential in the quality of the material that you're using. Make that call and uh, watch your profits increase. Thank you so much for tuning into the My Practice, My Business podcast. You can find additional podcasts you may have missed that will help you with your dental practice at Apple iTunes Podcasts. And remember to become a subscriber to our podcast. Many of you have asked how to help support the My Practice, My Business podcast. If you have enjoyed the program and information you received today, the best way to help is to leave us a five-star review. Thanks again for allowing us to be a part of your day.